Hello and welcome to the Reigning in Ray podcast, a sub-podcast of the Basic Bible Podcast. Oh, a sub-podcast, okay. Or a spin-off, or however you want to say it. We don't even have a theme song yet. Title foot, no. Should have brought the banjo in, but oh well. So this is the podcast where we talk pretty much about anything. Anything you guys want to talk about, or anything I feel like talking about, or And we actually had some people send in some questions this time. We're going to be answering your questions this week. And this. Well, we got to start off by saying happy 4th of July. Yes, even though this isn't going to be aired on the 4th of July. No, but but we are recording on the 4th of July. We are. We are. So happy Independence Day. Yes. Yes. Same to you. All right. So let me get to the first question. Our first question comes to us all the way up from Rochester, Minnesota. From our friend David Swanson. Really? I didn't see that one. All right. So, Ray, you and I are going to fight about this one. Okay. This is the exact question David asked. What are the metaphysical and ontological implications of pineapple on pizza? And what (laughs) epistemological framework uh, do we use to confirm our results? Are there teleological implications as a result? David, all I know is pineapple on pizza is absolutely is, disgusting. Is the bomb. No. It is fantastic. Bomb. What, what? It How is, old are you? It is some of the best stuff you could ever want. Why would to, you? If we asked my daughter, she would agree wholeheartedly. I mean, she's the measure of pizza, let me tell you. No. <laughs> no. Just no. Have you even tried pineapple yes, on pizza? Yes, I have. It's oh. disgusting. It, it, oh, it, it, this is not a god. <laughs> Now I don't want to. I don't want to defame your daughter's name here on this podcast, but she's just wrong. <laughs> Maybe she needs to return a degree or two. Um, she's only she's, so I, she's a smart person, but even smart people can just say some dumb things from time to time. Um, pineapple does not does oh, not belong on pizza. I'm man. saying this as a man of God. Well, once Something again, we find we find another topic that we have to agree to disagree on. No, I'm not. I'm not going to agree to disagree. I just think that you're, <laughs> you're just. Oh, you're just going to be a pain just, in the butt. <laughs> that's that's what I'm best at. <laughs> I am your thorn in the flesh, uh, so to speak. To make that up. Well, you know better. what? Pineapple's good for thorns too. You just rub it into your skin, and it takes them right out. <laughs> okay, I've never heard that. Um, that's because I just made it up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The curative properties of pineapple. <laughs> just leave it off. The, you can. I don't care what you do. Just leave it off. Leave it pizza. off the pizza. Leave right? it off my pizza. I don't. I don't want. Well, I never have put it on your pizza, so and you good. never will. Yeah. Well, I will pick it off. If I do, I, if I think you might go, bling, flick it right off. I will pick it off and I'll put some paper towel on the pizza to make sure all the the juice from the pineapple is absorbed into the paper towel and. You know what? Just I'm just gonna. I'm not even gonna eat it. I'm just. I'm gonna. I'll order my own. Uh, well, that's usually the way it works best. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. Anyway, let's move on. Thanks, to some... thanks, David. By the way, we appreciated the question. Yeah. Notice we 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 uh, we didn't answer a lot of uh, what he had to say there because those are two big words that. Well, I think I can come up with a definition for each one, but when it comes to this particular discussion, why bother? Yeah. All right, so a couple of questions from our friend uh, Jesse Knopp, who is uh, a member there at Faith Community Church, right. where I'm 
where I'm going right now. He's involved State in line. the worship team, isn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, a couple of questions. So first, biblical church governance, what should it look like? Well, the, uh, the thing that I see with studying the, that very topic is the appointment of elders should not become an election or a popularity contest. Yeah. Uh, having a deacon board, or I mean, though some denominations will use the term deacon when they actually are referring to the way the Bible describes an elder. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that they're, you know, when I, growing up at Roxbury, we had elders and we had deacons. And the deacons, all they ever did was like serve communion on Sunday morning, took up the offering. And, you know, that, that totally is foreign to the idea of what a deacon is. A yeah. deacon is a servant. So uh, technically, anybody and everybody who is a believer should be serving as therefore a deacon. And this nonsense about a deaconess, that, you know, that's not the biblical term used at all about Phoebe. She was a deacon. She was a servant. So... Um, I don't think that it should become uh, an election. Um, do you believe there should be multiple elders? I do. Should be a multiplicity yeah. of uh, elders. Plurality. Plurality. Yeah, that's, that's a better a, word. That's a that's much just easier stuff word. Here. It's a much that's easier a pizza, word. That, that's at the pineapple going to your head. Anyway, the, uh, I believe that uh, certainly at least the senior pastor should be one of yeah. The elders. Um, you know, so, yeah, I don't think it, you know, it can filter down from that to, you know, getting as many people involved as possible would be a good thing because that's what it's about. It's about community, not about I have my ministry in this little pipe and you got yours over here and all we, you know, we're not cross-sectioning anything. I think any ministry that is happening should be able to translate into another area of the life of the church, and you get all these all the people involved doing all kinds of things, living up to what uh, the Bible yeah. wants us to do as, as uh, the church of Jesus. Should the church be independent? Well, I believe so, but then that's how I was raised. Um, you know, Roxbury is part of the well, it used to be called the Restoration Movement. Uh, technically, I think it's still called the Christian Churches and Churches of Christ. It's, uh, <laughs> um, I prefer the terminology independent Christian churches. Basically, what that means is each church does their own governance. Yeah. Um, uh, there's no nobody coming from the outside uh, demanding things or expecting money in order to help pay for denominational positions and stuff, which I've seen that you know, in denominationalism. Though I, you know, I've been involved and been around enough to know that some things about denominations I like, they, yeah. they tend to treat their pastors better as far as finances and retirement and that sort of thing. But that's, you know, that's a small thing compared to actually living the way that God and Jesus has called us to live in his church. I, I disagree slightly. Well, I'm not surprised. Uh, 
I, anybody who doesn't like pizza or <laughs> pineapple is going to disagree with me. On um, I grew up independent, fundamental Baptist, and mm-hmm. that was one of the things drilled in. Independent, independent. We, we mm-hmm. have no denominational hierarchy. There's no one coming out. We are. But also in many of these churches, you had the, what I would refer to, like the idolization of the pastor. Mm-hmm. Where you had a single pastor. You might have had assistant pastors, but they all answered to the main God. The right. man of yeah, God. And that's from and he, he ran it like a dictatorship. Yeah. Um, and I think that's dangerous and wrong. So I, I, I may have, uh, have, have swung the pendulum over to, I, I, I like the concept of denominationalism. I, I think, for me, I, I really like what I see in the Presbyterian circles. Okay. To where you, there is someone over the There's church. some accountability. There's accountability, exactly. Yeah. There is an accountability to where I have some recourse. Mm-hmm. If I'm held up for church discipline, and I believe this is wrong, mm-hmm. there is somebody else I can talk to. There's a session, um, I believe is, is the language they would use, that yeah. you talk to. And then there's a general session even above that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a mechanism there that, that is good for accountability. Sure. Um, I do like the idea of independence in the, in the idea that there's no outside forces um, Telling you, telling you how to day to day operate the church, yeah, yeah. but I do like the idea of some accountability that keeps me uh, on the straight and narrow. That makes sure I am preaching sound doctrine. That the church is running as a biblical church. Right, and um, that that with uh, I've been in situations in uh, an independent church where the church was going through issues, and they invited, yeah, somebody. Actually, at this particular time, it was people from Lincoln to come and be, to help lead through the time and stuff. So that's always an option uh, as well to deal with even accountability issues. Yeah. But I think uh, the, uh, the, the leadership, I don't know, John Grice and I, John's the, the pastor. Former at, guest of this program. Yes pastor uh, at Roxbury we were just talking about it just last week about how Roxbury does their selection of elders and people nominate people and if they have three you know if someone is nominated by three different people then the elders look at them and decide whether it's you know he's good or not and the thing is I mean that's better than a lot of places because then the prospective elders then basically what amounts to like a six-month internship of uh, teaming up with one of the current elders and doing like visitations and going doing different things with them and stuff in order to see if that's what they're, they feel called to do. But just the, the, the whole idea of a vote, that is borrowed from the American government system, <laughs> as is the idea of having to have your your uh, elders or the Senate and yeah. your deacons, the legislature, the House of Representatives. I mean, then the pastor becomes the president, and probably the old ladies are <laughs> the Supreme Court. Yeah. I don't know, but, or maybe the Amen Corner. Yeah, there you go. But but the thing is. You know, you, you were talking about the, the guy being in charge. There's a lot of churches 
that's what they expect out of the guy. They put yeah. him up on a pedestal, or in some cases, her, and you're just you're just asking for a failure right. when you do that to somebody. I've been there, done that, and it's no fun. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's a good question. It's something that we need to be uh, looking again at the scripture. Paul deals with it in his pastoral letters. Um, is it First Timothy or Second Timothy? I forget. First Timothy. First Timothy, and then Titus. Right. They both deal with it. Peter talks about elders some in uh, First Peter. Um, you know, but. Let's not buy into the corporation model, yeah. which is huge with the megachurch movement. Uh, let's not buy into, you know, this guy is the man, because Jesus is the head of the church. Right. That's, you know, all this ultimately comes back to the fact that Jesus is the head of the yeah. church, not any one or two or three individuals. All right, second question from Jesse. Is belief in modalism truly denying the Trinity? I had to look that up. I mean, I've heard the term modalism before. Oh, you should sit in my systematic theology class. I didn't, I didn't quite know what it meant, but basically, I guess, what it means is uh, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are three aspects and only one of them can show up at one time right so god sometimes acts as the father uh-huh. sometimes as the spirit like uh, some would say so you have god the father acting in the old testament mm-hmm. in the gospels you see the son and then throughout the rest of scripture and on to today we have god acting as the holy spirit uh-huh. or or yes basically the idea that you have three but only really one and there's just one aspect of god uh, being described at a time. So sometimes he acts like this, sometimes he acts like that. Apparently that's uh, something that uh, first came about in the 2nd and 3rd century, civilianism? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then even today, uh, there are folks like... Well, you um, Pentecostal. Exactly. T.D. Uh, Jakes, uh, guys like that yeah. promote this basic idea. And I think, yes, it's a denial of the Trinity. Right, I agree. Um I mean, and it flies in the face of the times that the Trinity are mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and the same story right. with the baptism of Jesus. Right. You know, God speaks. God the Father speaks. This is my beloved Son, you know. And, and then Jesus himself is baptized, but then the Spirit comes right. down like a dove. I mean, it's it, there are other places where... Or even we were talking thing, last week about... Uh, the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17. Yeah. You have Jesus praying, the Son praying to the Father. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's an absolute denial of the Trinity. I think it's dangerous. I agree. But I also think it's more popular than people imagine because I, I when I teach about the Trinity in my class, in fact, th- this upcoming year, I'll be teaching systematic theology. When I cover the Trinity, I think a lot of people have modalistic beliefs. They just don't know it. Yeah. Because the Trinity is a difficult topic to wrestle with and some people use this basic idea to help them just it's a a simple thing Mm -hmm. and I can understand this so I'll believe this but it's just not right Right. it's just not scriptural well it's not the way that God has revealed himself right the whole idea of community for the people of God right. comes from yes. the community that God 
the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit have with each other. For eternally, yeah. Yeah, eternally. And that's, you know, that whole concept of community falls apart if they, that doesn't exist with them. Right. And that, maybe that's what people are into in our country because mm -hmm. of the rugged individualism and, uh, you know, I can do things my way and don't have to listen to anybody else. All right, so we're in agreement. It's pretty much heresy. I agree. But I think it's, for a lot of people, it's an ignorant heresy. They just haven't been taught the truth. I, I don't know uh, how many sermons I've heard on the Trinity preached from the pulpit. Yeah. I mean, you and I both have the, have the advantage of having studied yeah. this in, in academic settings. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know how many messages on the Trinity I've heard from the pulpit. So I think that leaves mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people to be grasping yeah. uh, for understanding. Yeah. All right, last question from Jesse. Right. Most important question. Ray, corn dogs or nachos? Oh, man. I like them both, but I prefer corn dogs if I have to choose between the two. Mm. Of course, pineapple pizza is my favorite. Oh, that's just <laughs> well, you, you, you don't have to keep going back to that, okay? <laughs> okay. So you prefer, let me ask you this, on your corn dog, I didn't know people did this till I moved to the, the Midwest. Um, do you put ketchup and mustard on your corn dog? No. Okay. I'm a purist. My wife does. I didn't know people did that mm -hmm. until I got married and moved to the Midwest. Oh, yeah, they, I've seen it done. But I think that, that sounds disgusting to me. I agree. Well, I think that unless it's uh, honey mustard, I don't like mustard, and I definitely don't like ketchup. Now, I'll, I'll have ketchup and mustard on a hot dog, mm -hmm. which I know people from Chicago are, are gasping at. But um, I prefer it that way. Yeah. Um, but not on a corn dog. But I would say, I think, I would go for the nachos. Yeah? Corn dogs are okay. I'll eat them. They're fine. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not my favorite. Well, neither one of those two things are my favorite. Don't tell, don't, you're not going to the pineapple part. Okay. Um, <laughs> I already did it. I like some nachos. Uh, I do, um, with as long as there's like there's a uh, like a jalapeno cheese, something oh, spicy on wow, it. Oh wow, you into jalapeno? Uh, not, huh? not 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 jalapenos. No, but, but the cheese, the something cheese spicy. Be spicy. Um, hot. And maybe some meat, and that's about it. I, I don't go with all the peppers. I don't go with uh, reef, refried beans or anything. Or oh, I like refried beans. I'm not like a loaded nachos guy. Mm. I am without the jalapeno cheese. <laughs> I don't. I can, can't stand spicy too much. Anyway. Okay. All right. We so have one other question. We had, we'd we have one other question uh, from our friend Kirby from Faith Community Church State Line Campus. Okay. All right. Kirby asks this. Since COVID has forced many parents to help educate their children, do you try to learn the way the student is being taught or do you teach them as you were taught? That's a good question, Kirby. And I, I want to start off by, by saying, I'm thankful for the way you phrased the question. She said, uh, since COVID has forced many parents to help educate their children, mm -hmm. I can, uh, look, this is my personal pet peeve throughout the whole pandemic. Oh, no, now I have to homeschool your kid. You're not homeschooling your child. Right. Otherwise, why am I creating lesson plans? Exactly. Why am I teaching classes? Why am I on Zoom? And why am I? You're not homeschooling. Now I get, I get. Parents, you play a huge role in this, mm -hmm. and you're helping to educate your child. But you're not. It, it, 
Ray, you, you, you've homeschooled your children. Right. You know what the difference is. Yeah, I have. There's a huge difference. Um, you know, and yeah, Kirby, I appreciate the question, but for somebody who's homeschooled, what they're calling homeschool now is almost a farce. Uh, it's, um, you know, you're, of course, using all the tools is important, but we, when we, uh, we are almost uh, uh, a school, <laughs> um, or a no school type of unschooling, where we use the library pretty extensively, and my wife did most of the, the teaching. She uh, would, uh, you know, but the nice thing about true homeschooling is you can pattern your curriculum or whatever term you want to use for what you what you're teaching on the child. If they have an interest in uh, you know, airplanes or something, you can every subject you can come around to doing something with an airplane. Uh, to help teach that. Um, with our kids, you know, our son did, you know, he loved to read, but he didn't like to do workbooks. So that just wasn't, you know, he would not have been a typical, but he's more of a hands-on kind of person. That's how he learns. Uh, our daughter, on the other hand, is into books into writing. I mean, she's got her degree in communications. She's going for a master's in cross-cultural communications, you know, so she thrived at home, but also in the classroom when she went off to college. Um, uh, you know, we didn't, the, the funny thing is with, with her, we didn't, we emphasized math a lot. We had some decent, uh, videos called Matthew C and but when it came to taking her testing uh, she was over the charts on English mm. and we didn't spend an awful lot of time but she lived with communicators yeah. you know having been a pastor having written his stuff and, and I, the one thing I did well I taught her some history too but the one thing I did before she went off to college was have her write a paper on uh, actually the Great Commission so she would have some sense of how to actually do that yeah. before she went off to college I mean some people don't even get that in college yep. and you know, I know you require your students to write, do some writing and I you know there's a lot more to it than just what I think you right. gotta do research and stuff so you know the, the, the other thing that we did uh, Kirby was um, we had our kids involved in 4-H well our daughter involved in 4-H which was really a huge learning curve for her um, and involved in co-ops and so you know, learning from other people not just the parents I think is a huge way of uh, educating children who are truly being homeschooled it wasn't just you know we're going to sit around and watch TV all the time or, you know, um, you, they could learn in, in an environment that would allow them to go at their pace. I think that's something that is difficult with a classroom setting. I mean, the, the, the uh, 
teacher has hmm. has a curriculum you're supposed to get uh, delivered right. and uh, you know students uh, if they're having a hard time with it they're having a hard time with it and because when you got what 20 kids or 25 kids in a class you can't always slow down for right. but in homeschooling you can go at the, the students pace so I would say in regards to all of this um Considering you're at home uh, with your student, and it looks like even this fall there's going to be some degree of at-homeness, um, I think it's good to use a hybrid model. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have your child go through whatever it is your teacher is going through. Um, but the question is, do you teach them the way that more centers around them or just the way that you've always done it or, or that you have been taught? And I would say both, mm-hmm. in that there is... To some degree, they have to learn how to learn in a classroom. If you're going to continue with an education that's outside the home, um, they're going to have to have some sort of learning of how to do that. But you have a little more flexibility with this hybrid model um, to where you can work with your child more one-on-one and see um, what are they geared toward. Like, like, Ray, like you were saying with your son, like airplanes. And so, well, maybe we can circle around this math problem to okay, you've got five airplanes and you take away three, how many, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be- better help them understand the, what, they're, what, they're, what they're being taught. So I would say both, mm-hmm. um, as much as you can. Uh, try to find out where their interests are. Even as a teacher in a classroom, I try to do that to some degree. I know that there are students who learn in different ways. That's part of, part of the challenge of the classroom, excuse me, is having, you know, 20 kids in a room who all learn differently. Yeah. And so sometimes, if I know a particular student's struggling, and I know they have a particular interest in somebody, or I know that they just learn better in certain, certain different search, uh, situations, I try to accommodate that as best I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I say as a teacher, my... One of... <coughs> excuse me. Um, one of my problems that I'm trying to work on, one of my faults is I tend to lecture a lot. No! I know, I know, it shocks you all. But I do tend to lecture a lot. That's my, that's my fallback. And it's... The, in my, my teaching over the years at different levels, I've discovered that even, like, college level, that's what they're used to. Yeah. They're used to the lecture model. They don't want to interact... Um, but once you get out of into graduate school, or if you're teaching adults, you know, which I've done a lot of, there's where you're going to get the interaction. Yeah, going. and I, I try to include more interaction with my students right. and yeah. try to do more multimedia type stuff. Um, and so I'd say as a teacher, that's where I have to I have to work on. Mm-hmm. And so as, as as someone who's training kids at home during this time, I think it's a great opportunity to work one-on-one. I think, and I might get in trouble for this, um, I love the homeschool model. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you can do it, you should. Mm-hmm. I think it's more beneficial for uh, the individual student to be taught individually. That's what every teacher wishes they could do. Right. Um, but it's, it's just not practical for every family. And I and I know there are some, I get myself in trouble with the other side, you know, they're the homeschool-only folks. That's the only biblical way of doing it. And then, you know, of course, I work for a Christian school, so I don't want everyone to homeschool. Yeah. Um, but I think that's... Well, I think yeah. that the, the, the having the multiple options 
So a kid can find his place or her place is important. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there, there have been some who have homeschooled, who public school people will, I've had this discussion before with the, uh, with the superintendent of the school system because he was asking me about it. Well, what about the people that fall through the cracks? And I just turned that right back on him. I said, hey, you have a much bigger audience and you have mm -hmm. learned a whole lot more people falling through your cracks than I am mine. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's true. And that's, that's the way it is. It's, it's, it's sad when, you know, but this is the way we do things. We look for the worst possible case scenario and point to that and say, well, this is why you don't do it this way. Yeah. Whether it's public school, private school, Christian school, or home school. And that's just not being fair. Right. That's one of the reasons why I, I love school choice. Mm -hmm. um, every kid learns differently. Yep. And there are some kids who aren't going to learn in a public school setting that will do better here. In fact, I can, I can point out names and faces to you of people that were floundering in the public school system, they came here and they did much better. Mm -hmm. I can also tell you, I can also show you students who did not do well here, but did well in a public school. I can show you students who did not do well here, but did well at a home school. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't want to just, I never want to be the person that says you have to do this. Well, there's no, there's no cookie cutter approach right. to this situation, just like there's no cookie cutter approach to a lot of things. Yeah. There, um, we are individuals with a different, uh, different ways of learning. You know, I'm, I'm much more of the uh, um, visual learner. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can read and write notes and whatnot till the cows come home. But to sit down and listen to somebody lecture and right. take notes on that, no way. Yeah. I don't. I mean, nothing against John's preaching. I think he's a great preacher, but I don't take a whole lot of notes. My wife, on the other hand, she's copious notes. I don't even know how she keeps up with his train of thought because yeah. she's still busy writing notes. Uh, my son, yeah, like, yeah, I have to take notes to pay attention. I have to take notes. My, have to my, follow the logic. And, you know, my son is a kinetic learner. I mean, you know, he. Uh, we had a, a light fixture that was bad, and uh, he worked on that thing for a half an hour because he was able to get his hands yeah. on it and to see how this works and how that works and and stuff. And I'm, you know, of the three, those three main areas, I would be a kinetic secondly and then auditory, partly because I'm having, I have trouble hearing, but, um, I and actually I read a, a chapter in a book librarian had done some research on this idea and he said preachers are they learn visually that they communicate audibly yeah and that's uh, that's sort of a unique thing but all right we're gonna rein you in all right it's time and we're gonna rein this whole podcast in so okay uh, we've already got a little over time and that's okay that's what we're going to raise So we'll try to do another one of these next month. It's been a while since we've done the last one. Well, yeah. I um, mean, there was the thing called the uh, COVID-19. Yeah, right? That yeah. sort of interfered with life. So we're, we'll, we'll hope to get back on our monthly schedule with the Ringing and Raise. So if you have questions, go ahead, send them to us. Put them on the Facebook group or um, put it out on Twitter or, or whatever. So 
Uh, look at our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Uh, check out our Facebook group by the same name, Basic Bible Podcast. And check us out on Twitter or Facebook at Basic Bible Cast. So until next month, have a good rest of your month.